Hey there. Welcome to this bonus episode of Rethinking Wellness. I'm Christy, and my guest today is Professor and Sugar Rush author Karen Throsby, who returns for a bonus interview to discuss how her own relationship with sugar has changed since before she wrote her book, the role of influencers and social media in spreading anti-sugar messages, why news media reports so uncritically on government recommendations to cut sugar, and more. This is a free preview of a longer episode for paid subscribers. To hear the full episode, subscribe at rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Now, without any further ado, let's go to my conversation with Karen Throsby. So Karen, welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking around for this bonus episode. Thank you. I want to start off by talking a little bit about your own relationship with sugar and maybe with food in general and how it's changed since before you wrote the book. We talked a little bit about that at the end of the main episode, but I think there's there's more to delve into here. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting thing because if you write a book about food or a food, different kinds of food, people will start to scrutinize what you eat. And this is something that I noticed. So for example, if I go to a conference, an academic conference, and it's the break time and there's always, there'll be biscuits and cake and things like this, sweet treats with coffee. And I did start to notice that people were kind of watching to see if I ate it, which of course, I mean, that whole dynamic of, of people watching people eat and, and surveilling is, is a part of diet culture that is very disturbing and, and strange. But what was interesting for me is that, so I'm a vegan. And so in general, I am not able to eat most of those foods, which will have dairy products in them. So I don't eat them for other reasons. And that's a kind of food ethics choice in my case. But people would then assume that I'm not eating it because of sugar, but then would kind of say, well, isn't that kind of against your message when you say, you know, you're saying it's not bad and yet you seem to be avoiding it. And so there were all these kind of misunderstandings and people watching. And then the other thing that people would do was actually apologize to me for eating sugar in front of me. And that, or they'd confess, you know, the kind of, oh, I'm eating this, but I'll be good tomorrow. People would say, say that kind of thing to me. And for me, this is very disturbing that people would feel like I was watching their consumption, which I was not, but also to have my own food consumption watched. And then I never really want to announce in that moment that I'm a vegan because that's opened up a whole other <laughs> sort of set of set it's a other can of worms there that I don't necessarily want to get into. And so it created all kinds of interesting things for me. But one of the reasons, I mean, I said in the in the main podcast that I didn't I never actually gave up sugar at any point. I didn't even try it, you know, just as an experiment. And one of the reasons is because I'm a vegan, I feel like there's already a certain amount of restriction in my diet. I don't experience it as restriction, but you know, I am cutting out foods. And I was kind of really reluctant to get into a kind of cutting out yet more foods and creating kind of endless restrictions in my diet. So I, I, I am a vegan. I don't drink caffeine, which is for sleep reasons. And I kind of, I've always felt like that's enough in terms of the way I control what I eat and manage what I eat, that's enough for me. And so I don't then closely scrutinize any other aspect of my diet. That sounds really helpful for your relationship with food. And I'm so struck by the difference between that and like, say, vegan influencers on social media who are like, do this vegan cleanse, and you're cutting out sugar, and you're cutting out carbs, and you're cutting out all these things or whatever. It's like, you know, the piling on of different restrictions just has become so commonplace. 
there are people who are vegan for ethical reasons and there are people who are vegan for maybe ethical reasons at some level, but then also there's like this health stuff mixed in and there's this weight stuff mixed in and it becomes such a slippery slope, I think, when you approach it in that way. It's tricky to disentangle it because I also personally find it a very healthful way to eat. But the element of restriction, I think, is something that for me was quite important. Speaking of influencers, you know, do you have any thoughts on the role of influencers and social media in spreading anti-sugar messages? I mean, particularly in that that decade, you know, where we had this real anti-sugar thing. I mean, it was everywhere. And on social media, it was everywhere. And I think it becomes a, a way, you know, these are people who are making money from their, their work on social media. And this becomes following trends as, um, is, or leading trends as one of the, the ways in which they make money. And then, you know, there's this very idealized self-representation of these, you know, quite beautiful people and um, very, a lot of restriction, but le- leading these sort of rather glamorous lives. And I think sugar just became such an easily recognizable way to signal some kind of virtue, giving up sugar becomes a way of signaling virtue, of good behavior, of self-care. And so I think this was just a, it was such an obvious target. It is such an obvious target for people working in that sphere. But I also think that we should avoid an easy assumption that influencers exercise influence in a really straightforward way, that there's not a simple cause and effect just because influencer A says this, it doesn't mean that you would automatically do that. Those messages make sense to us that you should give up sugar, for example, make sense to us because that message is already circulating in the public domain. It already makes sense to us in a sense. So they're they're kind of riding on to some extent and intensifying a narrative about food that is already just already in our minds, already in our social worlds. And so one of their skills, if you like, one of the influencer skills is kind of picking up on those trends and running with it. But we need to look at the broader social world as well to understand why that would make sense, why they could do that. Yeah, that's such a great point. They wouldn't have influence in the first place if they weren't tapping into something that was already in the zeitgeist and that was legible to people in some way. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, speaking of social media, I'm also interested in the role of media, sort of traditional media in all of this. And you talked a lot about newspapers and was so interesting to see the quotes from newspapers in your book. And one of the stories you tell is in 2015, the UK's Scientific and Advisory Committee on Nutrition released a report recommending that people cut their sugar consumption, added sugar consumption to an extremely low and yet strangely round number. I won't say the number because I don't want to activate anything for listeners, but it was like this very low and, and seemingly sort of arbitrary number. And you write about how the popular press in the UK reported on this recommendation. And I was just struck by how credulous the papers were, you know, that there was no effort to question how they came up with that number, why it was such a round number. And, and you talked in the, I mean, maybe you can discuss this, but one expert called it something like a back of the envelope calculation. But why do you think the media don't challenge stuff like this and sort of just report credulously on these kinds of recommendations? Mm 
You've been listening to a free preview of this episode. To hear the rest and get tons more bonus content, become a paid subscriber by going to rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.